0: Good morning. We're talking about um, beliefs that seem to be Christian, that have some measure of truth to them, but they aren't specifically Christian. And this morning we're looking at just doing the right thing is more important than why I do it. To put it another way, that I obey is more important than why I obey. Concept applies that God will bless our obedience regardless of our reasons for obeying. That if you're obeying only because you fear being abandoned or looking bad to others, that doesn't matter just as long as you obey. If you're feeling resentment as you obey, that doesn't matter either. It's, it's your actions that count. And this has a measure of believability to it. We hear it often. The kind of thinking, though, encourages hypocrisy. And biblically, hypocrisy is a real problem. We're going to look at it. And when we look at hypocrisy, uh, the hard thing about that is we're not going to be talking about them. You know, they are the hypocrites. They Deal with hypocrisy, and of course we don't. When it comes to hypocrisy, we're all, it's something that we all deal with. Some messages, the fingers point to us, and this is one of them. And if, as we go through, you find yourself identifying, you know, Mike, I deal with that. That's safe. Because we do. If you don't have much room for the fact that you might have intentions and motivations that aren't pure, I'm not sure I have a lot of good news for you. Because there's a problem that you're dealing with and you're not aware of it. And until the problem is surfaced, you really can't deal with it cleanly. We deal with hypocrisy. It's part of the DNA. And so I want to be gentle. And so as you get this, I'm not pointing your, my finger at you and not at me. We all deal with this, okay? What um, it says, Isaiah 29, the Lord has brought over you, he says to the leaders in Israel at the time, the prophets and the seers. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. The Lord says, these people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. Uh, Focus on the last part of the verse. Um, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Clearly, this constitutes a problem. We talk about and sing things, and we should sing things, and it's appropriate that we sing things, and the things we sing, we want to inhabit them. We want for the words that we have just sing to be true of us. Jesus, only Jesus. We want to really believe the things and that's okay. But at some point, um, we say things, but our heart isn't always in tune with what we say, right? You find that same thing with you, with me, it's not that we shouldn't sing the words, sing the words, but understand that at some point there's a difference between what we say and what we feel inside. Um, what does it mean to do the right thing for the wrong reason? And we're looking at the book, Beliefs to Drive Christian Crazy. Talk about a couple of illustrations, a couple of things. We'll talk about them briefly. Um, talk about a guy named Jason. If anybody had it together, Jason did. Active at church. Jason had a good job. Lovely wife. Two kids whom he loved. He exercised regularly and looked at. Even kept in close touch with his friends. One day, out of the blue, a depression hit him so hard that he couldn't get out of bed. He ends up going in and getting some help talked for a while to one of the counselors who wrote the book and about his apparently snug and untroubled life before his breakdown. He had grown up in an alcoholic home, an abusive family where he'd lived through all kinds of chaos and crises and the way he dealt with it again it's appropriate by responsibility and activity he Kept himself busy. He always did the right thing. This activity and responsibility saved him. He did the right thing, not because he was selfless and loving, but to stay alive. And what ended up happening? In time, the Depression caught up with him. Um, Cloud and Townsend Wright, Jason had lived a lifetime of sacrifice. Fearful of falling apart inside. He stayed busy and active to ward off a breakdown. He wasn't driven to obedience by the love of Christ, but by fear and panic. Hmm. Not only that you obey, but why? Hypocrisy is one thing out here and another thing inside. It's something that we all deal with. Hypocrisy is dangerous because it's very infectious. And virulent. What I mean by that is that we tend to get caught up in hypocrisy. If somebody is just putting their best foot forward, we tend to want to keep in stride with them, putting their best, our best foot forward as well. Um, but hypocrisy is a challenge, not only because of what it does to us, but what it does to those around us, people that we care about. Um, they tell another story about a teenager named David who's having trouble in school. He's skipping classes, poor attitude when he did attend, making some poor choices for friends. Grades were dropping. School officials saw this. They said something's wrong here. They were recommended that he get some professional help, end up going to these counselors. Um, the counselor asked problem with David what the problem was. At the silent stare. Hmm? Turned to his parents. He said, It all started when Dave started spending time with the M- MacArthur boy down the street. So his father said, He's had lots of, you know, problems. Up until that time, our David was as bright, responsible, and caring a young man as you'd ever want to meet. Dave, what do you th- think about that? So I spoke to the three of them, counselor says. Making a poor choice in friends may be part of the problem, but generally, things at home contribute to a teen's behavior. How are things between you three? Mrs. Andrews spoke up. Actually, they're fine. We've always been a close Christian family. There's never been much conflict in our home, thank the Lord. Um. Uh, That's not always a good sign, the counselor said. People differ about lots of things and probably need to. Something woke Dave up out of his staring contest at this point. Asked them about the schedule. What schedule? The one on the refrigerator. That's what's wrong with them. The schedule. As Father leaned forward, Dave's referring to our weekly family schedule. It's how we keep track on our activities. Most families have one. So what's the problem with the schedule on the refrigerator, the counselor asked. Everything, Dave said. Church on Sunday and Wednesday, I don't like our church. Dinner with the Thompsons on Tuesdays, they're old, I don't have anything in common with them. Weekend, doing projects with Dad. Why don't you like? What don't you like about all that? They just do things to do things, to keep busy. That's not true, piped up Mr. Andrews. The schedule has always been like that. We've always been active people, and all these activities are good. (laughs) Yeah? David glared at his father. It's because you and Mom don't like to talk to each other. You keep busy so that you don't have to talk to each other. The room was silent. counselor writes, If you want the unvarnished truth about a family, always ask the black sheep, who has nothing to lose by being honest. The Andrews family were doing the right things. They were worshipping and fellowshipping and doing things together as a family, but all for the wrong reasons. Um, hypocrisy is a problem that's difficult to diagnose, especially in the church. In fact, it is tied to what is said at church. Hypocrisy can rise from what is said at church, really, to be more accurate, what is not said at church. Look what it says again in Isaiah 29. The Lord has brought over you a deep sleep. He has sealed your eyes, the prophets. He has covered your heads, the seers. For you, this whole vision is nothing but words sealed in a scroll. The Lord says, these people come to me with their mouth, near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. There's a connection between the first part of that verse and the second, between verse 10 and 11 and verse 13. What needed to happen is the people needed to hear from God. They needed to hear what God really said to him them, they needed to hear that and the problem was that the prophets and the seers couldn't see what God was saying so they couldn't say it without hearing from God without the that which comes from understanding the message, the people were stuck they couldn't respond deeply because they weren't secure enough in what God was saying to do so the Absence of hearing what God was saying is what caused them to only be able to respond to him from here on up. Surprising? When we catch ourselves and we say, Mike, you know what? I don't know why I do what I do. You know, I say the right things, but inside, if we're going to be honest, Mike, I I don't really have a lot of good thoughts about God sometimes. And, and when we get into that place, we assume so. I think I've heard enough from him. And biblically, you know what the interesting thing is? Just the opposite is true. If you heard and if you hear what he says to you, it will allow you to stop pushing parts of yourself under the water. Because the fact is, God knows all about the different motivations that you have. And he sent his son anyways, knowing full well what you're like. When Jesus died for you, he didn't die for some romantic notion of what you're like. God sent his son knowing exactly what you're like. Exactly all the things you think inside. And when we start to understand that, we start to be able to bring out some of those things that we're afraid to say to him. And we find ourselves being honest with God. Honest with him. And oftentimes we feel different things. God, I both want to hear from you and I don't. I both want to live for you and I don't. When we mess up and when we do things that we wish we hadn't done, oftentimes we say, I, God, I'm really, sorry, I really didn't want to do that. Yeah, you didn't. <laughs> we do want to do that and we don't want to do that. We do want to obey him and we don't want to obey him. We do want to listen to him and we don't want to listen to him, which is true which is true. They're both true. And hypocrisy means that I have to put one part of that away. Um, Hypocrisy is a problem. Um, And even if we fast forward 700 years from when Isaiah wrote, Jesus is still talking about it. Look what it says in Luke 12.1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples. He has a lot of people around, and he's going to deal with them. But what he does, he pulls away from the crowd, zeroes in the disciples, and says, I want you to listen to me. I'm going to go talk to them, but I need to talk to you first. Everybody cued in? And here's what Jesus said. Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And when Jesus talks about spiritual problem, number one, it's not stubbornness, it's not willfulness, it's not backsliding, it's hypocrisy. Pushing things down, pretending with him that we're something that we're not, that's the spiritual problem. Because that which is pushed down under the water can't be dealt with. It's going to impact you, but you have no ability to deal with it. We have no ability to deal with it. Again, I want to be very careful here. You might, I am not looking down at you in any sense. It's what we deal with. And when we raise it to the surface, okay. So hypocrisy is, is a deal. It was a deal at Jesus' time. Hypocrisy is a Shepherd issue, it seems. It's something Jesus speaks to those who would be shepherds. And so, I have a question. Do you want to be a positive spiritual influence in the lives of those around you? Not only to know something yourself, but to be able to pass it on. Here's what Jesus says to you before you deal with the crowds. Be on your guard. Against the east of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Watch out for hypocrisy. Watch out for it in yourself and in others. Um, Hypocrisy is also a sheep issue, not just a shepherd issue. If you would want to be somebody who would draw closer and experience between you and God things. It says in Galatians 5, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love, through love. The thing that counts, what it means to put the ball through the hoop. You know, everything, you have to identify what matters. In football, what matters is putting the ball across the goal line. Penn State did that last night. Which is, I told you, didn't I? That I played football. Played football at the university in Pennsylvania. A university in Pennsylvania. It wasn't. Some of you know this, Mike. It wasn't the Nittany Lions. You played for the Fighting Quakers, Mike. Played football at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay, so get away, away from that. Um, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. If you want to mean, you know what it means to put the ball across the goal line, to put the ball through the hoop, faith expressing itself through love. That's it. Okay, Mike, what does God want from me? Faith to express itself through love. Okay, what are the things that encourage and discourage that? I think Paul goes on, and he says in verse 7, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. What happened? That Individuals, Paul came to the Galatian church and he says, God loves you as you are because of what Jesus did. And they believed it. And then Paul left. Individuals came who looked really good. Really good. Spirit, spiritually, they said, well, okay, can we talk? Paul's gone now. God loves you because of Jesus. He'll love you even more. If you dot, dot, dot. And you know what they did? They believed it. And because they believed it, guess what happened to their ability to love one another? And you know what happened to their hypocrisy? They started to put their best foot forward. And rather than come alongside one another, they started to compare themselves with one another. You ever see individuals at the gym, if they're flexing and posing, you know, you know and then they're looking at one another, and this guy's doing one of these, and then this guy has to compare themselves. And before, they were helping one another. But what ended up happening? When they started to feel insecure about their connection with God, they started, rather than helping one another, comparing themselves with one another. Putting their best foot forward. What do we call that? When they pushed inside the things that were troubling them and put their best foot forward, what do we call that? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy means to push something under and to have two faces, and one you put away and one you shine outside. Oh, um, there's a quote I took from the book. I really like it. Look at the bottom of the sheet on the, uh, I like this quote. It says a lot in a little space. When we do the right thing reluctantly or under compulsion, not freely, taking Corinthians 9, 7, we live in fear. It may be fear of loss of falling apart, of guilt, or of others' disapproval. But no one can grow or flourish in a fear atmosphere. Love has no place there where perfect love drives out fear. Um, The church is a tough place to diagnose and treat hypocrisy especially in our time. I'm aware I I do a lot of stuff with recovery and both fifth steps. And I talk to individuals who have been involved in recovery. And over the last years, I've gotten to know many individuals who whose problems with addiction were exacerbated in church. The place where you'd think people would hear things that would be helpful. They weren't helpful. And interestingly, I, could think of, and I I see them even as I'm talking about, I I can remember when they told it to me, they had to leave church in order to start being honest with themselves. And what they had to do, they had to go to AA and be surrounded by people who were talking about the issues that they dealt with in that context where people were saying real things. Talking about real struggles, people found the wherewithal to begin to name their own stuff. I, I understand what that's like too. And they get people who would come around and say, oh, mm-hmm, "I understand," and not more, several. I can think of at least two or three of them that were never able to go back into church because of the. Impact of everybody putting their best foot forward and they couldn't tolerate that anymore. They had to stay in the truth. What am I saying? Every church, I'm not saying churches are bad, but the churches have a hard time with honesty, don't they? Don't we? Um, that's why they say recovery from alcohol. Those who are involved in that, it's really a blessing in disguise when it's a problem that everyone knows, like an alcohol addiction. You can't hide an alcohol addiction for long. JC talks about the different stages of addiction. And it becomes more and more difficult to hide it from people. The greater the dependence on the addictive substance is, at first, you can hide the addiction. But then over time, you have to do more to hide it. You have to put your, and then you have to turn, and then you have to leave that it becomes harder and harder to, to hide it. And what ends up happening, because it's so overt, you have to deal with the problem. And that's why individuals will say once they start to learn to deal with alcohol addiction, what they find is that the ability to live in the truth, they're really thankful they had an alcohol addiction so that they could deal with hypocrisy. They never knew to what extent that was harming them. But being around people who were able to be honest, they said, finally, finally, I can say real things, I can be honest. I'm surrounded by people that are being honest. And I don't have to pretend in this place. This place feels what does it feel? I know you it feels safe. Safe. Hypocrisy is 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 hard to deal with. The problem is that, is that whatever is out in the open, again you have to be careful. Because bringing something out in the open, some people aren't safe. And if you're going to bring something out in the open with some again, and we might even be in that place, it's, I'll pray for you. I used to deal with that. Then I became a Christian. You You don't need that kind of stuff. You don't need that kind of stuff. You need somebody who understands, yeah, tell me about it. You deal with that? Yeah, I've dealt with that. I've dealt with this kind of stuff too. Um, Whatever is hidden, even under a show of compliance, will stay unhealed because it's disowned. This is one of the reasons why one of the Pharisees, God pulled from the problems of hypocrisy and the Apostle Paul, arguably, the most straightforward, authentic, spokesperson other than jesus that's ever walked the planet some of the things he says and he wrote in his time were absolutely scandalous no one had the clarity or courage to say what paul said he was so honest about what happened inside at that time it people must have read it and said are you reading this but you, you read along with me. You see, we've looked at this verse before, Romans 7, 7 through 10. I want you to imagine there's a group who has a very high degree of trust in the commandments and their influence. Again, the commandments are helpful because you need to know the right thing before you force yourself to do it, Right? Listen to what what he says. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law. But when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. I think I read from a different version. I'm going to read that again. I had two different versions on here. I'm going to read that, that text again. That was from the, the ESV. The, uh, and I'm going to read from the NIV. I would not have known what sin was except through the law, for I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead once i was alive apart from law but when the commandment came sin sprang to life and i died he just he says a just do it orientation actually increases sin um apart from law sin is dead i was once alive apart from law but when the commandment came sin came alive and i died what he ends up saying here and imagine at the time the reason why i'm sinning more is because i am thinking about the commandments a lot well thanks for sharing that with us Paul you can be seated but he means it Um, just do it orientation increasing sin there's many who say that obedience is a matter of submission and will obedience is just about submission and will you learn the right thing you submit to God and you do it right right Is that wrong? It all depends what we're talking about. There's some kind of things that you can will. There's some types of behaviors that you can will, and sometimes that's okay. There's some that you can't. You know what sin Paul talks about in the context? Well, what sin is he talking about? I would not have known what... Coveting! Now, there's one that self-will really works well on. Right? You can force yourself not to want what somebody else wants, can't you? You can force yourself not to want to do what others do, can't you? You know the interesting thing about Paul? That's the sin Paul deals with in Romans 7. It's not the sin of adultery. It's not the sin of immorality or murder. It's the sin of coveting. By the way, where does murder begin? Coveting? Where does adultery begin? Coveting. If you're going to get to the root of sin, you know what you got to deal with? How well does it work for you to force yourself to want or not want something? You know the problem is? Again, I'm not I'm not coveting is a sin. It's not just what you do. It's what you want, and that's what Paul found. I can't want what I want to want. I can't. I can't I'm can't. i not that powerful, but he took that seriously. You know what he ended up coming to the point? He, Paul came to the point of saying, you know what? I can't just do it. I can't just do it. I want to obey, but I can't. I think this is probably at its time the most honest religious confession in the history of mankind. I think it was astonishing that he had the clarity and the courage to say what was real about what he was dealing with inside. Both to see it and to be able to say it is astonishing. How many of us are glad that he did? Absolutely. Somebody who broke the silence. Somebody who said real things about what's happening inside. They were were secure enough in God to talk about the things inside. Paul came to understand, I can't be wholehearted. I can't be fully devoted to God. I'm going to say that again. That's what he's saying. I cannot be wholehearted. I cannot be fully devoted to God. Not possible this side of eternity. He says, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? You know what wretched means? It's when you endure hard work and have been doing something for a while and you come to the place where, let me tell you about wretched. We have a brick patio out back. And I thought, so this is going to be good. I'm going to put these bricks together and I'm going to make the space really small. Okay? Just they look nice and neat and I'm going to put them there. So I did that a number of years ago. And ants. Because I put some of this stuff in between the cracks. It was supposed to harden. But because I hadn't spaced them, the stuff couldn't go down into the cracks. And so about every week, and some of you are knowing exactly what I'm talking about, there was a nice little pile of brown sand. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? Please, somebody raise. Thank you very much. Thank. thank. I remember talking to Travis. I said, Travis, this is driving me crazy. Travis Stumpke, and he was saying, "Said Mike, you can use this product, and it really helped Travis. It really did, but not fast enough." So anyway, so so this these these ant piles, and so I brush the pile out of the way and spray it off, and it looks all nice. And then I come a week later, and there's one, two, three, and you know these little piles of ground sand, and what they're they're mocking me. <laughs> they're mock- the ants are mocking me. I'm there looking, they just go. You want a piece of me? You know, that's what the answer is saying to me. <clears throat> so then, this, this year, I did, I got to, I got to the, the, the Popeye place. That's all I can stand, I can't stand no more. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay, it. So, so <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, we're good. I'm a little exercised about this. So then what I did, I had to pick up these bricks one by one a big stack of bricks and naturally it was not comfortable temperatures outside and I had a limited time so I and so my back is just dying so then I do that then I had to get this thing and I tamped them down and, and then I finally got them and I had to lay them all down and so at the end of that process I remember I felt like I did after I had roofed the house. Now I happened to roof the house. Oh man, my back hurt and, and I just was drained from doing this and that's wretched. That's wretched. That's what it means. Having done something and having extended yourself, it just is, ugh. Oh, that's what Paul is talking about. Trying to force a compliance on himself. And here's where it doesn't get funny. You know what that feels like. To try to make yourself be the person he wants you to be. To force yourself. To try to push down those thoughts and attitudes that you don't want to have. It's not very easy to keep a beach ball under the water, is it? That's what it feels like, doesn't it? Those things that you don't want to think, you don't want to do, you don't want to feel. And you try to push them down and you get to the place where it's just... So this is the Christian life, huh? This is it. Wretched man that I am, who will rescue you from this body of death? And here's what Paul ended up experiencing. And by the way, you're not going to get to this point of wretchedness by dealing only with your behavior. When you start to deal not just with behavior, but with thoughts, not just with adultery and murder, but coveting, that's a very difficult thing. And again, I'm really being very straightforward here. That's one of the the things that I've heard. In fact, somebody once talked to me very, very honest, really liked the fact they were honest. They said, you know what, Mike, I don't want to come to hope anymore. So, okay. you know, that happens. We don't have a We don't force people in. A lot of people come and go. said, at first, I liked grace. I liked the sense that God forgave me. But over time, I wanted you to tell me that I'm better than them. I didn't want you to always point your finger at me. I wanted you to point it at them so that I could feel better about being me. you know what I said to her? I understand exactly what you mean, but... I don't think that's a good long-term solution. We have to deal with ourselves first. And, yeah, that's fine. She went off into someplace else. It's hard being here sometimes. Because we don't talk a lot about them and how them, but we talk about us. But you know what? That's what Jesus did. And what he tells us is that it can be easier to deal with yourself. How might? Here's what Paul did. He came to a place of wanting, and he said, I can't. I can't force myself to want what I want to want. I can't do it. <sighs> and then he did something. Something that our tables will tell us about. He looked up and here's what he heard being said to him. I don't, I don't think it was audible. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of Life in Christ Jesus sets you free from the law of sin and death. And because he was wrestling, he was able to, he really? He believed it. Do you believe that? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Mike, I tell you what, I think this and I think that once you look at me. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to listen to me. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That means you and you, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. You can be honest with him. Why, Mike? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None. Be honest with him. Tell him what you think. Why can I do that? Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because there's no condemnation. For those, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. You mean I can be honest? Yes. And I don't need to be ashamed? Yes. What will happen if I do that? Hypocrisy will be less of an issue. <clears throat> We're going to experience communion, and really what communion's about is about that message. We deal with stuff. Not only our acts, but our thoughts and our attitudes. And you know what God wants from you? Really? He wants you to be straight with Him. He wants you to be honest with Him. Stop pretending. It starts with Him. And that's what this table is about. The new covenant is, I will helios to their unrighteousnesses. Remember their sins no more. It's when you say that thing, he's not going to, okay, that's it. He does the opposite. You say, God, I'm dealing with this. And it's, he doesn't change. He won't change. But when you express to him, you start to change. He doesn't change. You do. How do I change? You become more authentic with him. Less guarded and veiled. When you come to the table, I want you to think of what this table represents. The invitation for you to be honest with God. Because if Jesus died on the cross, you and the Father are okay. You can afford to be honest. So at some point during the music, come get the bread and get the juice. And I want you to think about no condemnation, and perhaps a prayer, God, help me to be more authentic with you. I'm not going to be able to rival Paul, but help me. Help me to know your condemnation so well that I can start to be courageous in my communication with you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for good news that allows us to hear what you have to say and that's the secret to being able to be forthcoming with you is to understand your message that's why you bring us back to communion to the new covenant to forgiveness to the absence of condemnation we drink that in we remain in it we believe it we surface more of ourselves we are more courageous in our communication with you And we feel more loved, more of us loved. Would you continue to allow us to hear your message? Give us the grace to be able to speak it clearly, hear it clearly, so that we can become like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.